All right, so we start the course with a very important question. Uh, the question of where's the line? Where's the line between a range of normal human behavior and uh, problematic or abnormal behavior? Where is the delineation, the distinction between normal and abnormal? At first glance, it might seem like that's uh, an easy question to answer, um, and uh, and maybe even sort of a kind of pie in the sky sort of academic question, like you know, well, this might be nice to know, but um, but I want to show you that um, that this is a very practical question. It's one that's going to come up many times in this course when we look at particular kinds of symptoms or behaviors or whatever. And, um, and we look at the fact that, um, that for many kinds of, well, abnormal behavior that we're going to be studying in this course, there are some normal variations of it. Uh, if it's, if that behavior is happening, you know, to a lesser degree or less frequently or in other kinds of situations or things like that. Right. And so, um, uh, so the first thing we got to start with is that, um, human behaviors occur on a continuum. Um, we can't really have this sort of dichotomous split of, yeah, there's normal stuff. And, you know, in this bucket, we've got normal behaviors. And in this other bucket, we've got abnormal behaviors. And it's either one or the other. Um, in actually making the distinction, making the uh, determination of whether a behavior is normal or abnormal, we got to look at a lot of different kinds of things. Um, we got to look at the context that the behavior is happening in. We got to look at um, the the developmental level of the person uh, exhibiting the behavior. We got to look at how frequently or how intensely the behavior occurs. Um, you know, occasional worrying is not abnormal. Uh, but if you're worrying for five hours out of the day and it keeps you from being able to do other stuff, well, yeah, maybe that's abnormal, right? Um, and so, um, so for many of the behaviors, uh, I guess really all of the behaviors that we're going to talk about, there is some normal range of it. There is no behavior that you could just tell me and it would be patently abnormal, um, by definition. Um, uh, even, you know, hallucinating, seeing and hearing things that aren't there. Uh, that sounds like that's pretty abnormal, right? Well, I don't know. Did you dream last night? Uh, you were experiencing things that weren't there. <laughs> you were, in a sense, hallucinating, right? Um, but in that context of dreaming while you're asleep, we consider that normal. Uh, whereas in other contexts or to other uh, degrees, that might be an abnormal behavior. So we can't just look at the behavior itself to say uh, whether or not the behavior is normal or abnormal. We've got to look at the context that it's occurring in, uh, how frequently it occurs, how intensely it occurs, and things like that. Right Now, um, there is no one test to determine whether or not a behavior is normal or abnormal. There's no like litmus test we can apply to it to say, ah, yes, this one's be normal, this one's abnormal. Um, we have to look at a lot of different kinds of things. Uh, what we'll look at usually are things having to do with the person's developmental level. So at different development, at different places in a person's own human developmental trajectory, that is where they are in their growth and development, we're going to expect different kinds of behaviors out of them. And, you know, some things may be regarded as normal or abnormal. Um, uh, at different stages, right? So we got to put it into that context. We've also got to put it into a context of culture and society. Um, there are some behaviors that are normal in some cultures, uh, that are abnormal in other cultures, right? Uh, that are um, common or expected. 
If I told you that at breakfast this morning, I talked to my dead grandma, who's been dead for 17 years, and uh, planned out what I was going to do this day, d today, and, you know, that I do this every day, and that she talked back to me. Well, you know, in our uh, American culture, if there is such a thing, um, that would probably be regarded as abnormal. In some cultures in the world, that's not abnormal. Even uh, in Native American cultures, a lot of Native American cultures, uh, that wouldn't be abnormal behavior at all, right? Or an abnormal kind of belief. So we got to put things into um, into a cultural and societal context. Um, however, we can't let culture and society be the sole determinant of it. There have been attempts in the past, and there are still some people out in the world who would say that anything that goes against a person's culture or society is abnormal or deviant. Uh, that's kind of a socio-cultural kind of uh, way of defining uh, abnormality or deviance. And it's problematic. Uh, it's problematic because there have been and there are deviant cultures and societies uh, in history. And, um, and so what does that mean for somebody who goes against a deviant culture or society? That means that they are abnormal not the society. That's a problem, right? Um, uh, for the most part, though, in my field of clinical psychology, uh, the determination of whether or not a behavior is normal or abnormal isn't really just a matter of, hey, what do we call it? But it's a pretty practical question. It's a question of, is this something that is potentially problematic, something that we may need intervention for, or something like that? So we tend to emphasize uh, more having to do with, uh, does the behavior create emotional distress um, <clears throat> as, as another of the criteria? So, um, so creating emotional distress uh, is the idea that, um, that many behaviors are accompanied by human suffering, uh, many times for the person themselves, Many times, well, less times, but it also happens for other people. Uh, you know, for example, if somebody is clinically depressed, well, I think, you know, it's pretty obvious that they are suffering as a result of that. But consider also if somebody has panic attacks and they are afraid of having panic attacks because they're terrifying and they never know when they're going to have another panic attack and they worry and, uh, and they're suffering because of that. Yeah, that's, that can be distress as well. Uh, I mentioned that there are some times when the person with the abnormal behavior doesn't themselves uh, necessarily experience the emotional distress, but other people may. Uh, a few examples that jump to my mind are um, uh, for some of the personality disorders, particularly like antisocial personality disorder, which is, you know, pretty close to the idea of a psychopath. The person engaged in the behaviors, the psychopath, may not be distressed by what's what they're doing or what's happening, but other people may be. They may be causing suffering for other people. Uh, and also with some of the um, uh, sexual deviations that we'll look at later on in the semester, uh, some sexual some patterns of sexually deviant behavior involve non-consenting other people. We refer to those people as victims, right? And um, and so the person showing the behavior may not be distressed by it, but victims are going to be distressed. So there is often some distress involved. Another major thing that we're going to look at uh, from a practical clinical psychology kind of perspective is uh, interference in daily functioning. Um, many abnormal behaviors are maladaptive. 
There's this basic idea in clinical psychology that people's behavior is generally adaptive. We are able to adapt to situations, and uh, that flexibility of the behavior, flexibility of behavior, and um, you know, being able to match our behavior to situations and things like that are are some of the signs of mental health. Um, and um, so, to some extent, if a behavior that someone, let's say me, is engaged in, is keeping them from being able to live out their lives, keeping them from being able to uh, play the parts in life that they've chosen to play, then we would say that that's maladaptive, right? An easy example might be uh, drinking alcohol. Uh, you know, in, in our culture, drinking alcohol is not against cultural or societal norms. Um, you know, it's not necessarily deviant or abnormal, but for an individual person, uh, they could drink so much alcohol that it keeps them from being able to, uh, I don't know, go to work or, um, uh, maintain their relationships, or maybe it makes them sick, or maybe it, um, uh, hurts them in other ways. In that case, that behavior that might've been normal in some uh, situations and to some extent has crossed the line and it's become maladaptive and interfering with the person's function. Right? So notice that, that that also comes down to kind of a, a practical question. And I'm not looking to determine whether or not behaviors are abnormal or normal just for the pure academic joy of it. <laughs> I'm looking at it to, um, to determine whether or not this is something that is problematic that, uh, that maybe we could intervene and help the person with, right? Notice also um, that um, what I've kind of implied in some of this that you might have picked up on is that the um, uh, any behavior is pretty much going to be assumed to be normal unless you can give some good uh, convincing reason why it's not, right? So you might think of normal as the default position. If, uh, if I were to ask you about a particular behavior in a particular situation for a particular individual, you know, is this normal or abnormal? Well, you would look at a lot of different kinds of criteria to, to affect that. Um, but essentially, you would start with the assumption that, well, you know, human behavior is pretty wide and varied, so um, maybe this is normal. Um, then look at some of the criteria to see, uh, is there anything that would really argue for this to become abnormal, right? Can I really uh, make a statement to say that it's abnormal? Uh, and so essentially, uh, there's a burden of proof kind of thing there, right? Um, that we would have to um, uh, deliberate, we would have to uh, fully show that something is abnormal. Also notice in this discussion of abnormal versus normal um, that I didn't mention most of the things that everyday people would use to determine whether or not something is normal or abnormal. But I want to point this out to you because you're liable to have some of these kind of gut level reactions sometimes. If people see other people engaging in behavior that they don't understand or they don't agree with or they don't like or they couldn't see themselves doing, they may respond to it with a sense of that's wrong or that's abnormal or that's crazy or something like that, right? Notice that that's kind of a subjective evaluation of it. it's it's uh, it's often based on again not understanding it. Um, I can't understand it, so it must be abnormal, or even I can't imagine myself doing it, and so then it must be abnormal. 
And those aren't really part of our determination of what's normal and what's abnormal in clinical psychology. Uh, consider the first one, um, whether or not something is understandable or not. Uh, people will sometimes say stuff like, well, you know, let's say that we had somebody who has a fear of driving over bridges, but we know why they have a fear of driving over bridges. Maybe one time driving over a bridge, something really awful happened. And uh, I don't know, there was a storm and stuff, uh, you know, a big, um, uh, what do you call it? one of those delivery truck things, um, uh, you know, sort of blew over or something like that. I don't know. Uh, something uh, scary happened. And so, you know, it makes sense why the person would develop a fear of driving over bridges. And so if I asked you if that person's fear of driving over bridges is normal or abnormal, just because it makes sense that the person might be afraid of it doesn't necessarily make it normal, because it could still be interfering with their daily functioning, it could still be causing them a lot of distress, in which case it would be worthwhile to label that behavior as abnormal, and then we can um, uh, look at intervening on it. Right. Notice the, um, the the logical progression here of uh, of that. If we take that to its logical extreme, that would mean that uh, the more we understand abnormal behavior, the less behavior is going to be abnormal, and that doesn't really make sense, right? Just because we know how it works doesn't make it uh, any easier for the person to live with that behavior, right? Uh, to live with that problem. Um, uh, the, um, the other one too, uh, that I mentioned is, uh, is that people will sometimes get the feeling that it feels, um, like something they wouldn't do themselves or they couldn't see themselves doing. Um, but, um, yeah, humans do a lot of stuff and I'm not interested in all of it. I'm not interested in doing all of it. I can't see myself doing it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those behaviors are abnormal, right? So this is one of those cases where, um, we got to uh, kind of check our first response. Our first response is liable to be, hmm, yeah, I just feel like that's abnormal. And we got to look at it more objectively in terms of um, creating distress, uh, interfere with functioning, things like that. Now, once again, this is not just an academic uh, question. We'll, we'll address this question of where's the line when it comes to a lot of different kinds of um, uh, behaviors or even mental illnesses throughout the semester. You know, where's the line between a normal range of human sadness and clinical depression? Where's the line between a fear of something and a clinical phobia? Where's the line between a quirky ritualistic kind of behavior and obsessive compulsive disorder? These are really uh, important questions that we're going to have to address, and it's going to keep coming back to some of these kinds of things. How much distress is it causing? Uh, is it interfering with the person's functioning? Does it show some problem uh, of functioning? You know, uh, so I promise we'll keep coming back to that, and it's not just <laughs> for the sheer academic joy of making a distinction between normal and abnormal.